Welcome, everyone, to the latest, greatest episode of the Network Age. I'm Bitchel Ritson, here, as always, with my handsome co-hosts, Hapsel Rigner and Nilrun Mardux. Boys, how are you doing today? Doing great, hey, thanks. Doing real well. And we're, we're doing even better because we are shortly going to be joined by Elaine Wang, the CEO and co-founder of Metropolis, which is an awesome organization doing all kinds of interesting Web3 and development work in Palau, and you're going to hear all about it soon. But I think not only is Elaine a, a super funny and, and interesting person, but she has a, a different perspective than I've heard from almost anyone in Web3. Yeah, really excited to hear from her. I mean, I've studied like El Salvador very closely, looked into what's happening in Argentina and like kind of the Caribbean islands, but I know almost nothing about what's been happening in the Pacific islands. And yeah, really want to hear from her firsthand experience of just how that's set up, kind of what they're targeting, how this is going to be able to help Web3 and you know, potentially help the digital nomad community as well. Yeah, I think we're going to hear about their CBDCs. We're going to hear about fractionalizing real estate, things like that, and how all this stuff works in sort of a very tiny island nation of something like 18,000 people. So it should be should be pretty good. Yeah, and so we're going to get all that, all kinds of innovation, plus uh, hungry sharks, raw sea cucumbers, and a, a thriving matriarchy that's going to put us all in our place. So <laughs> make sure you keep listening, and we'll get started in a second. Welcome back, and we are excited to be joined by Elaine Wang, the CEO and co-founder of Metropolis, which is a very network age organization. You know, they design new governance models for, for global development using state-of-the-art legal technology and financial systems. And Elaine, we're really excited to have you here on the Network Age to talk about some of the awesome projects that you're working on. Well, thank you for the invitation. Uh, I'm happy to talk about what we do in Palau anytime, every day. That's basically what <laughs> I do in every waking moment. Uh, I'm really passionate about this and really thinking that Palau, Republic of Palau, this Pacific Island countries and us really are getting somewhere um, and yeah. changing the world governance. It's really exciting. And I mean, Palau is such an interesting place. I think for most people, they've thought of it as, you know, an island paradise, maybe a place that like biological research happens. But I don't think it's in people's minds as as a tech hub, as a, as a Web3 hub. So I think that's a great place to start. Maybe tell us a little bit about your journey, how you enter the industry, and, and why Palau of all places. Right. That's a very good question. So uh, I will start with why or how I got uh, close to Palau. So um, I did my PhD and postdoc all in USA. And after I left Stanford Medical School, then I worked a few years in a law firm, Silicon Valley law firm, Wilson Sonsini, just to do everything startup legal-wise. So that's how I uh, learned about the limitation of the current legal system and also how desperately uh, the cross-border entrepreneurship and fundraising is needed. Like a lot of entrepreneurs from Asia are unfairly penalized just by where they registered a company. All these like really uh, non-necessary uh, legal hindrance uh, are limiting a lot of innovation. So that uh, brought me really into studying all the legal structures in all different countries. 
After that, I traveled the world, went to a lot of developing countries, and really like also understand how each jurisdiction really run their company. And then I did my first startup, which was the uh, Greenway Revolution, a renewable energy company. And the TA, the target audience or the client base for that company was all Pacific Islands, because Pacific mm-hmm. Islands all have this common problem. They have limited amount of land for landfill. They have energy shortage problem. They all want to protect the environment. So with that technology, then I island hopped across all the Pacific and talked and pitched to the head of the state and uh, got like almost everybody on board on that. But that's just right before the COVID. As soon as a pandemic uh, hit, then everybody closed the borders and the company just went away because we couldn't afford a runway and all that. Um, so that was 2020. And well, I feel really bad for you having having to island hop and go to all those beautiful places. I'm sorry you had to you had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my favorite island at the time was indeed Palau, and the mm. senator or the previous uh, presidential candidate of Palau then invested in the company, uh, that company, renewable energy company, and really was like loving uh, all the things that we wanted to do to help the environment, and that really hits the core of Palau. So when the company went away. And the politicians, Alan C., the guy who invested in the company at the time, then told me about his secret big plan for Palau, which is this, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly this. He's like, Elaine, I've been, I'm a Palauan. I brought Palau to independence. And I have a vision of wanting to diversify Palau's economic structure. And, uh, and I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to start. And I need help. And would you like to do this with me? So that's when everything started at the time. This is the is this the uh, is this the you said he's a senator. So is this the current president? No, not the current president. Uh, Alan C is the co-founder of Metropolis right now, and he was. Oh, a I'm former, sorry, I didn't hear his name. Okay. Yeah, former uh, senator, former congressman, and he ran for the presidential election in 2020 mm-hmm. with the current president, but he didn't win. Right, and, because the, the current president was also a senator. Yes, yes. And yeah, okay. Alan didn't win. And at the time, then he uh, congratulated uh, the current president and said, We have only one, I have only one request. Uh, please allow me to bring you to Silicon Valley and to meet all of our team members and advisors and to just hear what I want to do for our country. And you can decide whether that's a good vision or not. And you can decide whether you want to adopt that. If you do, I will help you to do that in my capacity. So that's am- amazing because I'm so I'm such a sore loser. I would I would never <laughs> be able to to do that to the to the wounded president and extend extend that generosity. <laughs> yeah, that that's a beauty of Palau. They do not have a political party, and everybody solo just collaborate together to uh, collectively make the ecosystem better. So it's a very decentralization way to running the country per se, because there are only 18,000 people. And that's what I love about Palau. It's very small, agile, you move things quickly, and they are all very, very kind and nice and want to do the right thing. So there's no corruption. It has a very stable rule of law and political system, similar to mm-hmm. USA. And everybody sort of just fundamentally have a decentralized mindset already. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about Palau? Just you mentioned it's only eighteen thousand people. It's in the Pacific, like so. It looks like it's close to the Philippines, um, and most of the economy is what tourism. Is that yes? Is that the case? Yes. Okay. Uh, as 
before we started all these projects, uh, tourism is their bread and butter. So COVID really taught them a lesson that we need to diversify the economy because the country really was doing poorly during COVID time. Yeah, probably and, almost zero tourism. Um, and I'm curious. Okay, so and then what was it? A colony of like a country? You mentioned its independence. Like, I'm I'm kind of curious just as to the legal right. system it might have like inherited if it was like a British colony before, or some other countries. Right. Uh, it was colonized by uh Germany before Japanese and USA. And now independent.、Hmm. So if you go to Palau, and they have, you can see traces of Japanese、um, colonizations, and as well as USA. It feels like Hawaii,、uh, Hawaii forty years ago, and、uh, has a little traces of everything. And what I really love of Palau is that it's one of the rarest matriarchal society in the world. So women cost a shot. They really worship strong women, and.、Uh, It, it's just very equal, and the yeah. Anyway, it's just one of my favorite places、yeah. in the world. Yeah, fascinating. I mean that that explains、uh, why why you're the best talker on the on the podcast. You have the, the, <laughs> the matriarchal energy to to lead us through the recording. Well, thank you. Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I it's it's interesting that you you said that your your business partner. You know, his one wish was to. Invite the the president when he won to Silicon Valley to to meet the partners to hear his vision for the country. So I was wondering, you know, one did did that meeting occur, and, and two, what what、yeah. is that vision for the country? Yeah, so we did、uh, brought we did bring the president to Silicon Valley, and I was there all the way, and then we introduced the president to all our advisors and friends in Silicon Valley, including Keith Krat, the former Under Secretary of the State of United States. Um, and also a few other people, Patrick Friedman, the founder of Seasteading Institute, and also sort of like the godfather of network state movement、uh, before Balaji even. So, and that vision is to really make Palau the next digital hub of Asia Pacific, and to turn Palau into something similar to currently what BVI or Singapore is, but better and curate. Uh, the ecosystem to the digital community, because during COVID time we see that most people are becoming digital nomad, and digital nomad is now moving all over the world. Thirty-five million people this year, and it is growing every single year. And we are the third class political body that is not represented by any jurisdiction、um, sense. So that's why then we want to really curate. This kind of legal raptor to、uh, serve this community, digital nomad community, and then also mostly Web three community as well, and、mm. to do their businesses and lifestyle and so on and so forth. Yeah, and so you mentioned Singapore and BVI, which I think is what Bridget British Virgin Islands. Right.、Um, I'm kind of curious, like, what kind of the target is? Is it focused on getting people to live in Palau or just set up their companies or kind of a mix? Where's sort of the focus of the government right now? Right, the focus of the government is to do something similar to eat Estonia, not to necessarily invite people to all come and live in Palau, but curate and build a digital nation, a country in the internet space, serving a community of residents in the internet space, and then have them to register their company and have them to、uh, do digital businesses and other things, innovations in the digital space as Palauan. 
And if they do choose to come to Palau to start a business, we would we are designing a special economic zone, a charter zone in Palau to allow them to set up a business and do their um some research innovation uh and all these things under a special uh legal wrapper there. Uh, I do plan to design a zone that is um have more relaxed FDA approval process and. All these things, so biotech startup can do human challenge trial. That's one of the thoughts. But more or less, to design this zone similar to Hong Kong to China or any other special economic zone for the country.、Mm, yeah, that's interesting. I'm kind of curious, like for setting up companies, is it so? Is it going to be totally modeled on the Estonian model? Then, like you can do everything online. You don't have to do. You don't have to go to Plow to set up your company. And can you kind of talk through like? Yeah, like setup, taxation, right, banking, and how that would all work. Yes, so we are indeed building a platform, a all-in-one sandbox for corporate registry, and so you can go on the platform, this Palau Registrar, and register your company in like fifteen minutes, and do KYC, pay your bill, pay your fee, annual fee or tax,、mm. uh, however it is, all on this legal registering agents and everything, all transparent. And we also want to bring everything on chain, so your business、uh, records and everything will all be on chain from day one. And of course, it will be privatized and protected. But imagine then companies or countries or individuals can do、uh, KYB or due diligence on this very easily in a safe,、uh, gated environment. You can do business collaborations and partnerships in this gated environment. As it's all on chain, the long term goal will be to even build a financial center to、uh, allow companies to do tokenized equities IPO on this, just so that we can build the entire ecosystem finance system for businesses、uh, in Palau all on chain. This will be the world's first. And so you're working on this project through、M、Metropolis, but I'm wondering. What has the reaction of the the government been, and have you been able to work hand in hand with them? Has there been agreement or even like disagreement about what the the right vision for Palau is? Yes, of course, because ah,、uh, despite we are working closely with Palau government, Alan is Palauan, and I am not Palauan, so I do <laughs> not really like go to them and say you should do this this way. It's up for them to decide what they want to do for their country. So what Metropolis did or have been doing is to come up with the plan, and for every step of the way, we carefully then curate the proposal to the government and see to what extent they want to adopt it. Then it's a close interaction and working relationship there until they are happy with how it is. So we oftentimes need to present a proposal and then find people to back it. And then explain it and teach them、uh, what the impact will be, and then see if they will adopt it. There are, of course,、uh, disagreements along the ways, <laughs> and, <laughs> and、uh, we are happy to hear that. That also means that they are, you know, really thinking what they need for the country, and really are thinking what we are proposing here instead of just blankly accept or deny. And so, you know, you've talked a lot about、um, encouraging. This online digital community encouraging interacting in the, in the Web three world as Palau and potentially incorporating businesses 
in Palau. What what other initiatives is Metropolis working on? I know that there's um, a, a stable coin, but you you've discussed a few different projects. Right. And I'm wondering what you're most excited about and and if they're gaining traction. Oh yes, uh, I guess everybody knows the project started with the digital residency, and because uh, just because we believe uh, to start a network state project, you need to start with identity. So that's what we uh, work on first, launched last year. And that caught on a lot of momentum. And the second project that we helped launch was the Palau Stablecoin project uh, that is done by Ripple, partnership done with Ripple. And uh, we did the introduction. We brought the president and the delegate to New York City to meet the team of Ripple and to really like understand what the impact was. And then the president was on board. Then Ripple worked tirelessly the entire year last year to make this happen. So this is their first country-backed stablecoin project, and we plan to use this token to really fuel all the uh, innovation, finance innovation in Palau. So that uh, then brought into this Turtle X platform that we wanted to do, which is a tokenization crowdfunding, the tokenization of real world assets, a crowdfunding platform to engage the community to accelerate the development of Palau. Um, yeah, so diving in a little bit more into the stablecoin aspect. So you mentioned it's on the Ripple blockchain, which you right. know nicely actually like beat the SEC recently and uh, with very interesting results. But I'm kind of curious, yes. like the stablecoin, you mentioned it's the first country-backed stablecoin. Like wh- what is Palau backing it with? Is it like, like what assets does Palau have right. to back and like keep a currency stable? Is it like US dollar reserves it has or gold yeah. or some other? So Palau runs on US dollar. That's their currency. Mm. But as a country, if you use US dollars, you can't print the money. And uh, then a lot of these like financial instruments are powered by this currency of another country and you are hindered in a lot of different ways. For example, sending money in and out of Palau has been a pain all the time. Uh, yeah, then yeah. The bank can charge. Had a yeah. Problem, yeah. yeah, so that's why we uh, wanted to use these kind of stable points just to solve this problem. Uh, mm. So that's okay, why yeah. Ripple put okay. it on just specifically to solve the payment problem. So this is more like CBDC. And uh, we are exploring uh, possibilities of having other assets like the blue carbon credit assets of Palau uh, to be used as collateral. But as for now, it's US dollar back. So you've got a, a US dollar backed CBDC. Yes. And do, I, I guess to play a little devil's advocate here or just ask the, the question that'll be glaring for people listening is, does this take into consideration privacy of the citizens? Right. I, I see what you mean. Because most people, when they hear CBDC, they uh, next question will be about privacy because you don't right. want government and everyone to really know your spending history and records. But as for now, this Palau stablecoin is only available for uh, citizens of Palau. So it has not been made available for other people outside of Palau yet. It is still in pilot stage. And uh, I do not know whether Ripple has a current plan to install, uh, put in the ZKP measure in there. But uh, I imagine if they do, it wouldn't be difficult to do so. But as for now, it hasn't really been implemented, yes. And what do you think is the advantage to a Palauan citizen of, of using this stablecoin as opposed to something you know, that is 
more readily available U, uh, you know USDC or a, another dollar pegged stablecoin that has a wider circulation. It's because um, they can go to the Minister of Finance anytime and then withdraw that uh, cash out that uh, to US mm. dollars. That's very easy. And also uh, for their overseas Palauan, they can go to the physical bank in the countries. I guess for now, they're looking for Taiwan and USA and the countries to actually purchase a PSC. So it's it's off the uh, crypto exchanges where you have to have a separate account and then be controlled by the crypto exchanges and another third party company. This is, um, they feel safer that this is controlled or uh, collateral mm. is controlled by their own government. So- so it feels fairly similar to what El Salvador did with Bitcoin, right? Where it basically right. like, the government bought up a lot of Bitcoin. It created ways, off ramps like Bitcoin ATMs across the country. So their citizens could basically have an app that accepted Bitcoin or US dollars, and then they could cash out into physical cash in the jurisdiction. And I, th- I think that a lot of the motivation in El Salvador was basically due to like banking restrictions due to like essentially incredibly bad access to the banking sector, especially yeah. for like the average person. Yeah, that is exactly the the pain for a lot of these uh, smaller countries. They are cut off by uh, these FDIC system and all that and have limitations on their finance systems. But El Salvador's Bitcoin system is obviously different because it's not a CBDC. They're currency isn't really a powerful one, uh, whether that's theirs or not. Bitcoin, um, on the other hand, it's the first digital currency, and it's also not the most perfect one. And <laughs> yes, and, and <laughs> you can, words, yeah. yes, and a lot of people don't like about it. And uh, you're sharing that with a lot of uh, other uh, reserves as well, other miners and all over the world. So it has its own set of problems. So El Salvador yeah. didn't do so well also because of Bitcoin. But I really admire uh, the government or the president's vision on really digitize the entire country's finance system. So is Have Nigeria. You... Really? I, yeah. I'm not up on the Nigeria uh, project. Nigeria is similar to El Salvador. They also adopt Bitcoin uh, in a bigger scale. If you go to Nigeria, you don't use credit card or fiat. Uh, you pay your taxi fare in Bitcoin, everything in Bitcoin. Mm. Wow, we got to get a, a, a representative in, in Nigeria then. Uh, Nilrun, we'll send you out there when you're... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. You know, it's not too hard to get to from Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm curious if there has been, like, what the adoption and use of the Plow stablecoin is, you know, that in El Salvador, certainly there has been some trouble in getting people to use Bitcoin on day-to-day tasks. I'm, I'm curious... Is the Palau stablecoin something that, you know, your, your average everyday Palauan is excited about, interested in? Do they do they even know about it? What kind of role is this playing in the public imagination? Yes, because uh, Palau, most Palauan in Palau don't have credit cards. Um, a lot of them don't because mm. you really have to apply the credit card from a foreign bank like USA Bank. And so that's why they rely heavily on cash uh, payments a lot of times. And if you just carry a whole bunch of cash around, it's very massively inconvenient. So then this Palau stablecoin uh, allowed them to really just pay in this digital form very quickly and security, almost like a form of cash. Uh, mm. So uh, 
before they even Ripple even launched this project, they already onboarded like two hundred volunteers to use this to receive this pile of stablecoin, and also onboarded multiple gas stations, grocery stores, uh, farmers market, like little um, individual business owners and all that restaurants to be part of the ecosystem already. So there's already an existing network that accept this. Hmm. Is it is it custodial? It is CBDC. So yes. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I mean, two hundred is a pretty big、uh, chunk of the population in Palau. If if the total population is eighteen <laughs> thousand,、yes. you know, it's probably the highest percentage of crypto users of any country. I would bet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well,、uh, at least for a start.、Uh, yes. Yes. And、um, you mentioned also Turtle X,、um, which is your project to create to digitize or tokenize other. Real-world assets. So I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that, and and whether or not、um, Elon Musk is fighting you for the letter X <laughs> at this point. Yes.、Um, well, Elon Musk changed Twitter to X, and we were kind of like excited, but at the same time,、uh, because I know he has an obsession to X. So, so am <laughs> so am I. So that's why we need our corporate registry, the special、uh, class of corporations. X corporations. We've been calling that since. Where does this X fascination come from? <laughs> I just don't really understand. Yeah, I think, he's will- I think he's willing to get in a cage and fight people. It sounds like. Well,、so、maybe you should you should sue him. You did it first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I I love this letter X because that's one of my favorite Japanese rock band. Like back when I was growing up, <laughs> when I was a little kid, I really was like obsessed with this heavy metal band in Japan called X. And、maybe that's maybe that's Elon too. We should we should make sure to cue in some X music for the、uh, for、yes. the outro or transition、yes. on the episode. Oh my god, yes! Because the X Japan, <laughs> the band lead also was like unhappy about Elon Musk wanting to change the name, and as a result, that Twitter Japan continued to be Twitter instead of X. That's <laughs> really wow.、Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So tokenized real world assets. That's what we、right. want to talk about. I guess back to the topic. Yeah. I could. You know. I'd love to hear about <laughs> Japanese rock all day. But I guess back to the. the, the token. Yes. Yeah. Tokenization of the real world assets. What does it mean? It means、uh, real estate and also real world physical development. We want to、uh, be able to tokenize that so people can actually back the property、uh, with fractional ownership. Because right now, if you want to buy a house, you have to buy a house, and a house is not very easy to buy because it's expensive, it's big, and it's not very like easy to sell because again, it's expensive. So if we tokenize it, fractionalize it, then people can essentially buy a house, say, ten、uh, percent of it, and you can trade ten percent,、uh, buying or buy out easier, faster because it's a smaller ways to、uh, invest in a property. We see that as democratic. Uh, democratizing real estate investment, and also if you are buying a property in Palau as your vacation home as a digital nomad, you're not gonna live there hundred percent of the time. Most likely, you're gonna live there say ten percent of the time. So, what if you just buy like ten percent of ownership of that, right? So you get the actual registration, land registration, property registration as ten percent ownership, and and you pay ten percent of the money, and you have ten percent of using right. Like a timeshare, but you actually own properly ten percent of the property. So that's what we want to do in Palau, and、uh, also to leverage the power of community to leverage all these digital resident community to really、uh, 
help accelerate the development of the real estate property and the charter zone in Palau. And as a result, you get a dividend profit share from the economic booming of Palau. If the property price goes up and we get made a profit, then the people who backs the project and gets dividend. So it's a good ecosystem to benefit people in or out of Palau. What does that look like technologically? Is it like an NFT or something else? Um, it well, the Turtle X is a platform, so mm -hmm. we will enlist multiple real estate projects on it, and then we'll have a we'll be the one doing the due diligence and to make sure all the project and owners are all sound. And of course, we'll post all the data of the company uh, project owner on there, and then with a fixed dividend for you to benefit from it. And then people then can choose to back or crowdfund the development of a project uh, as their wish and with the kind of percentage they want to back. It will be tokens. So it will be like, uh, it will not be non-fungible because right, right, each right. part of it will be the same. So it will be fungible. So, so it if, be, it, if it was a million token project, you would get some percentage of that million tokens or whatever for that project. Yes, you purchase them uh, tokens and that tokens, you can trade that in the secondary market. That mm -hmm. We did this platform also because, uh, you know, the limitation of financial instruments in Palau, right? If you are a real estate developer, you want to build a house, there are actually very limited choices. You can go get a mortgage, uh, get loans to build a house. They charge insane like, percentage of interest if you want to get a loan and you want to Actually, they even require you to put everything you own physically as collateral. So it's just very hard. So that's why we want to do this to really crowdfund and give people more options of getting the money to start a small business. And have um, has this tokenization process successfully been implemented yet with any properties or is it still in development? Uh, the, the platform itself will be live in a month. And we already have two properties that we want to put on it. One is a property that uh, our real estate partners is building in Palau, in this very beautiful corner of Palau. And it has the most amazing view of rock islands. You wake up and you have like 360 or 270, I would say, <laughs> ocean view. <laughs> and they are like completely beautiful and UNESCO research site. So that you, the view will never change. And we're building like a small condo project there to start. And the cafe, uh, you also own part of that cafe in the infinity pool there. So that's the first project we want to put on because Palau currently doesn't really have uh, higher end residential units. It only has good hotels and uh, sort of on the lower end uh, residential units. So if you are expat going to Palau, you want to live somewhere nice, then uh, it's you have limited options to choose from. Very, very limited uh, Airbnb choices. So that's why we're building this first nice condo uh, to be put on. Mm, yeah, it makes sense. And this is probably a slightly naive question, but just not having really been to the Pacific Islands, I'm curious, like, how do you get there? Like, how, right. how difficult, how many flights are we talking <laughs> um, yeah. And then like, if people want to actually like spend time in the Pacific islands, like Palau, you know, can you, as an yeah. American spend like 90 days there? Like, how does that all work? Right. So, um, before I even go into that details, you have to know like Pacific ocean is very big. So Pacific islands, they are all very remote from each other. It's not like Caribbean. You can just take one hour flight and you go from one country to another. No, like from Hawaii to Palau, it's, just, it's a width of United States. 
So that being said, Palau as being in the westmost、uh, Pacific Island nation, it's actually very close to most Asia Pacific countries. You had direct flight from Manila, Philippine, to two hours only, and you had direct flight to Taipei, Taiwan, three and a half hours.、Mm. So it's not that far.、Uh, if you're coming from USA, you can fly to Taiwan, and from there you fly to Palau,、uh, direct three and a half hours, or you fly to Hawaii. And then from Hawaii to Guam, and from Guam to Palau, direct. So it's not that okay, bad. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now I of... remember that I actually have been to Hawaii, so I'm actually.、Yes. I don't know why I blacked that out. <laughs> you know, when you get divorced, you sometimes black out things. But、uh, interesting. <laughs> oh. Well, and also if you come to Palau as a USA person, you can stay there for a long time because they do have that agreement with, you, with USA. But with other people. Uh, regardless which country you come from, you just need visa on arrival, and that gives you right to stay for ninety days. After that,、mm. uh, if you are a digital resident of Palau, then you can stay actually for nine months、uh, out of a year in Palau. Interesting. So they sort of have like a digital nomad type visa. Yeah.、Um, who who's like going now? Like, is it Chinese tourists, Taiwanese, Filipinos?、Yeah. Like. What 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 is the source like? Who who visits、um, Palau today? Taiwanese、mm. and Korean tourists, and also Japanese tourists. Yeah, these three countries, primarily Korean and Taiwanese, and starting to see some Chinese tourists as well.、Uh, there used to be a lot, but back in the years, I think a few years ago, Chinese government was pretty upset that Palau was a friend of Taiwan, but not a friend of China. So、mm. Chinese government just banned their people to come to Palau, but of course people wouldn't care, so they would still come. <laughs> the, the draw is the draw is now what? It's like a I, I know for one thing is that I mean besides the beautiful beaches is、uh, they have the world's first shark sanctuary. Oh yes, so you you can come and swing with the sharks there,、uh, and the good thing is the sharks are never hungry because they are just enough fish in the sea. Palau banned commercial fishing. Yeah, famous last words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they definitely are not going to eat you. Yeah, too many things to eat in the ocean. They banned commercial fishing, so really you get all kinds of sea lice, abundance of sea lice. You will never ever see that in anywhere in the world、uh, here. And if you want to eat something, you just go to the ocean and pick it up and fish it yourself. That's how we do in Palau as well. Are、yeah. are you doing a lot of fishing when you're there, Elaine? Yes, yes. If you want to eat, then you fish yourself. <laughs> are you are you spear fishing? Spear fishing, yes, we are、oh, spear、wow. fishermen. Or if you don't know how to spear fish, you can just dive in and then、uh, pick out a giant clam or a sea cucumber. That's easy.、I'll、just just grab it with your hand. Yes, this is fantastic. I want to go are, to Palau. Are、now. sea cucumbers good eating? Oh, they're so good. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I wasn't expecting to to get this recommendation while talking about cryptocurrency, but now I've, <laughs> I've got to go find. I live in Montana, so I, I、uh, probably not、oh, a lot of fresh sea cucumber here. But we'll we'll see if I can find any. Right, we'll tokenize some sea cucumber. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I can invest in sea cucumber futures now, now that you've spilled the secret on the pod, the price is going to go through the roof. You know. Oh yes, go to the everyone、room. listening. Going to order them. Well, that that actually、uh, brings us. I guess it can bring us to the cryptocurrency forum because I think the president. I think the president is actually going to do some swimming with the sharks at the at the crypto thing. Is that right? Yes. Really. The Palau Blockchain Summit 
actually, uh, the summit is three days. The first two days are just like talks and panels and workshop and all that. But the third day, this is the idea of the president. He wants everybody to go to the private island of Rock Island. And that's like right by this shark sanctuary that you were talking about. So mm. the president wants to take everybody on there, close the island just for ourselves. Everybody goes swim with the sharks and we can fish, beer fish, and then do barbecue seafood on the beach and talk about things in the unconference style. He insists people wear island shirt and then barefoot on the sand, sandy beach. And this I think fantastic. that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about as relaxed as a blockchain conference I've ever heard of. Yeah, unless unless Elaine is wrong about the sharks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there are also a lot of sea turtles. Uh, you can see sea turtle fighting with a shark. No, no. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the blockchain conference then. It's three days, and yes. I believe that I believe that Metropolis is one of the organizers. Can Can you tell us about the yes. blockchain conference then? And and so maybe who's going to be there as well. Right, right. So this is uh, our initiative because we want to really introduce the government to a more diverse group of people doing blockchain uh, to really come and tell them what's the next step. Now we have digital identity. Now we have digital currency, uh, stable coin to run with it. Now what? They are just like infinite opportunities. The country is all for uh, crypto arena to really like innovate. So we want to invite people to come in to see what other projects that you can do to really transform the country in that particular sector. So that's why uh, my company, Metropolis, is the main organizer, along with Palau Ocean Foundation and Palau Blockchain Society. Uh, so the theme of this conference will be new governance and sustainability. These are the two things that Palau country uh, is very focusing on and really want to innovate in. Sustainability, that's just because this is in their DNA. New governance, it's just because uh, sovereignty is one of their most valuable assets. And who will be there? Um, we have someone very, very famous in blockchain that wish not to be named uh, will come <laughs> in person. And, you know, I think everybody knows who he is, but uh, I told him I'm not going to advertise it. Because uh, he he draws crowds everywhere he goes. He's the inventor of the most famous blockchain. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he will be there, and then we have um, the Satoshi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Satoshi will be here. <laughs> wow. No, and, well, they and, do uh, have you know, <laughs> yes, a good connection to Japan. So of course, like right. maybe, sense. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah, we'll have multiple Satoshi's be there. And we have mm -hmm. uh, representatives from Vera will uh, come give a talk. And we have, of course, the president of Palau, the governor's minister, and some people from UN will be there. And a lot of companies, uh, uh, Suji, also from Mass Network, he's working on a network state project as well, um, freedom of speech, and also some... Uh, sustainability carbon credit on-chain project that are also uh, coming. No Manta Patrick? Network, uh, Patrick Freeman as well. Yes. Okay, that's a that's a pretty pretty good lineup. And and what are the dates of the summit? We'll make sure to include links and everything in the show notes. So if you're listening, you can you can find that. But for yes. for everyone listening, when is this happening? It's happening August twenty seven to twenty nine. If you're coming, I recommend you to take the flight from Taipei on the twenty sixth. And 30th. So that's the two direct flight from Taipei to Palau and back. 
and or you can fly direct from the uh, Korea on August twenty fifth, and going back on the twenty eighth uh, on the thirtieth as well. So that'll be about uh, two weeks after this episode's come out. So I'm hoping, you know, you've been very convincing to me. I'm hoping that some people are checking their calendar right now and saying, you know, I don't have very much going on in two weeks. I should, it would probably be better to spend my time in Palau. Yeah, it certainly sounds uh, better to me. Yes, come here. This will be a very, very unique, uh, almost by invitation only kind of summit. We are trying to intentionally keep it small. And curated, so only people who are really interested in learning about this and coming to learn about Palau will take you spear fishing and everything. It will be fun <laughs> with the president. Yes, with the president. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I, a great I, pitch. One thing that's for sure, and I think that you know, one thing that's so interesting about this project, um, in and has echoes of, of some of what El, El Salvador is doing, but just how involved it seems like the, the country and the, the government is in and how much they want to incorporate the the culture of, of the islands into this project, right? It's not merely um, economic development, but there, it, it seems like it's being used to showcase what Palau has to offer to really take a, an interesting and, and special place and help connect it to the world without losing what makes Palau special. And I, I think that seems like a pretty unique angle to, to take to a, what can be a cold, you know, crypto world that's just, you know, numbers sometimes. Yeah, thank you. That's what Palauans are known for, too. They really all care about the heart and uh, the essence and the spirit of a lot of things they do. Like if you look at a Palau flag, it's a, a ocean with a moon in the middle. So they worship their moon and also the ocean. That's all feminine energies. And they really want to remind themselves that uh, despite you are just one tiny island in the Pacific, you are connected to everyone in the world via ocean. Ocean is not the thing that divides us. Ocean is the thing that connects us. So that's why they always think about this and always want to make sure they bring people to the ocean when they come to visit Palau. That's why there's an element of that ocean tour there to really make you wonder and feel that you are doing this as just one individual in this big ecosystem. And the ecosystem does not comprise only humans. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I, the, 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 the circle in the center is yellow, isn't it? I always assumed it was the sun, but it's the moon. It is the moon. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Let's talk about next steps then, because you have the blockchain conference coming up and obviously that's a big deal and all these important people are coming and it's going to be really exciting. After that finishes, what do you think Palau's next next steps goals be become here? Like, is it just moving forward on these projects that you've you've already discussed or is there a, more energy moving forward? Yeah. I think they will be more. Sound like a crazy moving. person. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will be definitely more energy moving forward because after the summit, I can envision um, a lot of people coming in, learning about the ecosystem, and then start to brainstorm what they can do for the country. And imagine if you have a country who want to really do the right thing and curate the ecosystem for Web three community, you can then really use this as your experimental playground. Um, in Web3 project. So I can't uh, imagine after that, we will have a lot of project wanting to do pilots in Palau. And then we, Metropolis can assist uh, really finding the right people, the right angles, and uh, so that you are 
culturally sensitive and everything else in there. But of course, as Metropolis, we have our S corporations and Turtle X that we plan to launch this year, and hopefully, we'll start to see more sustainable um, and also substantial development in Palau. And will will Turtle X be available only to Palauans, or is it, or are oh, other no. people to invest in this? Yes, it will be open to everybody. If you want to be part of the uh, ecosystem, then you can. Uh, you know, get on Turtle X and then do your KYC there and see all these amazing uh, projects in Palau. Some ESG projects, some seaweed apartments, and some uh, not just the house, but also uh, say dolphin parts and all these things. And you can see what Palau is building and choose which project you want to back and then get your dividends that way as well. What is a seaweed apartment? Oh, yes. <laughs> this seaweed apartment is something that's amazing. Um, they uh, want to, that's an initiative by Palau Ocean Foundation. They want to grow these algae or these seaweed in this confined space, um, but not exactly like a cage, but similar to that in ocean. And sort of, sort of aqua farming uh, of seaweed in ocean, but they were already in ocean already. But because they are confined, so you can measure uh, their growth and emissions uh, very easily, then you can really capture the carbon credit, the blue carbon credit. And that blue carbon credit is very valuable. You can sell it in a European or US compliance market for money. And the seaweed that you grow can also be serving as a food. So you're doing aqua farming, but at the same time monetizing uh, off on the blue carbon credit. And that blue carbon credit can be, you know, uh, the profit of the project and then can be the dividend that paid to the people who backs it. Can you talk a little bit about what a blue carbon credit is and, and what its relationship is to Palau? Yes. So they are um, green carbon credit and blue carbon credit. And carbon credit is a hot topic these years just because uh, UN, European compliance market and all these governments in the world uh, in Paris Agreement decide that uh, this need to be unified and then companies or countries uh, that are polluted need to purchase carbon credit to neutralize their carbon emission. So and the sustainable countries like Palau or island countries, they uh, can then monetize off on their sustainability efforts by selling away their blue carbon credit to people, countries that are polluted. So that's a good news to Palau because they've been doing this for all their life. And now they can finally make money out of this. So all the ocean conservation, all these oceans they have is called blue carbon credit source. And green carbon is from renewable energy, many, uh, you know, like solar and all that. But blue carbon is really from the ocean. And blue carbon credit really hasn't been a uh, authority study. And UN is still now like trying to come up with some matrix to measure that. Many because all the fish and algae and everything in the ocean freely move to all over the place. It's really hard to capture uh, and measure it in one place. So that's why there is this algae or seaweed apartment project to make sure the seaweed stay in one place. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. And I think speaks to some of what you're saying about the ways that, you know, the global economy is really changing. And even though a place like Palau is physically quite isolated, it now has all these new opportunities to 
interact with people around the world and governments around the world and, and economies around the world, not only culturally through tourism, but through innovation and technology and, and development. So I think it, it makes a lot of sense that these ecosystems are, are merging and forming larger ties between Palau and the rest of the world. So it's, I think, you know, even, even more than El Salvador, the idea of Palau becoming a major player in the Web3 blockchain space is kind of inspiring and, and demonstrates the power of crypto because it, you know, that's, it's an 18,000 person island chain and for it to, to take a step onto this world stage in this way is like very exciting and inspiring. And I think, yeah, it demonstrates the power of, of this new technology. Yeah, thank you. And I also want to make a point that uh, the difference between Palau and El Salvador is this. Palau, uh, by default, they are very decentralized to start with already. Like a lot of decision making actually comes with a, a vote in the country and they are only 18,000 people. So they don't, they want to make sure they take care of everybody. They want to make sure they hear everybody. It's never just the decision of one person, aka the president, and to push a policy. It's always like everybody. But El Salvador, uh, I never lived there, but I imagine that to be more of a decision of the president or his family, because uh, El Salvador is uh, has a very very different political dynamic and structure there. So yeah, it's currently pretty <laughs> centralized, and yeah. you know, for centralized, like <laughs> maybe an understatement. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Sometimes that goes great. Some you people know, think that's cool. Authority is great. Yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. having a central authority is good. Sometimes not so good. I, I used well, to yeah, live right. in. I think Elaine, maybe you know, I used to live in China for like the past ten years, and then I recently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes good, sometimes you, bad. You could <laughs> have used a little good, decentralization though. Yeah, I mean, well, the 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 nation is is quite physically decentralized. You know, it's it's islands everywhere, right? You know, you right. Can't, I mean, centralization can be good if the country is massive, like China, right? If you want to get mm -hmm. things done, then sometimes centralization is good. You can just decide and go do it. But um, then you, you don't take care of everybody. If the country is small, then you can really afford to be a little bit more decentralized because you do have the time to actually listen to everyone. Yeah, I mean, Switzerland is famous for that. Yeah. Do you think that the average Palauan is... I don't know, more involved in, in government and policy and thinking about these these topics than other places you've been be just because the, yeah. the population is so much lower? Yeah, the population is so small. So 60% of the people actually have worked in the government. So everybody is sort of just take turns working in government. <laughs> and that's just how also decentralized they are, right? Everybody, um, once in their life at least, uh, having the one like calling the shots. So someone knocks on your door and says, Hey, you're, you're mayor now. Take your <laughs> turn. So, uh, that's why everybody is sort of like involved in the policymaking and they really care about what the country is doing and care about uh, how the country presents itself in a political, uh, international mm. arena as well. Yeah. Well, I'm curious a little bit just to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. I mean, we, we brought up El Salvador versus, Palau and like kind of this, I've, I've thought about it before with these, these small islands versus kind of larger nation states and just sort of kind of running through what a lot of the kind of digital nomads or like web three folks are looking for. It's just curious to think about small islands. I haven't done it a ton, but just kind of list through some of the things I've found people asking about, like, you know, some people 
want passports and the Caribbean islands have been quite famous for selling passports. But because they're so small, there's been a ton of pushback, um, especially after the Ukraine war. Um, and the Caribbean islands have actually had trouble now selling their passports because, mm. you know, some countries like the EU, the US are kind of threatening visa restrictions um, because and because they're small islands, they have trouble pushing back. Whereas if you're a bigger country, I don't know, like or at least a medium country like Turkey, you have some amount of power. So I'm kind of curious, like, how do you see the negatives of being a small island? Um, I mean, this is Palau, for example, it's it's such a small island that. Is it willing, does it want foreigners to kind of become citizens of Plow over time? Or does it want to kind of partition that and just have the business activity, but not say like tax residency and citizenship of foreign for foreigners? Yeah, you you had a really good question. So for small islands like that, uh, because I'm from Taiwan, so I am also a Pacific Islander at heart. Uh, For islanders like ours, we all have kind of a anti-colonialism mindset. <laughs> uh, we have a history of being uh, colonized by these people just coming in a ship and put a flag on the lane and say, this is mine now. So we all kind of like afraid of it. So that's why Palau mm. wrote that into constitution that you have to be a Palauan by blood to be a Palauan, uh, Palauan's passport holder or citizen. So that being said, uh, even if you marry to a Palauan and you live in Palau forever, you still cannot be a citizen. But you will be a permanent resident who has uh, that will bring you uh, very close to a citizenship right. But still, you won't get a passport. Mm-hmm. So that's why then when we design this digital residency, we call it a residency, but not a citizenship. Okay, okay. And I guess one thing we didn't touch on, I'm just curious, like... For digital nomads, is it zero taxes? Is that part of the package? Okay. Yeah, it is zero tax to Palau. But obviously, if you are Americans, you pay tax to America regardless. Certainly. (laughs) Yeah, I do that. Uh, Some people do. Some people do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we don't we don't encourage people to not pay tax. To their own country, so. <laughs> neither no, does, no, neither no. does this podcast. Just for the yeah, record, some of my best stands. friends pay their taxes. But, yeah. I've heard double, of people triple taxes. If you listen, you know, yeah, you shouldn't yeah. get any money. But um, um, for this program to opt into Palau's ecosystem, you pay an annual fee instead of tax. Um, so we believe that to be part of a country, it shouldn't be. Just because you're born here, so we put a gun on your head, say, for now on, you are my people. You have to pay part of your proceed to me. Otherwise, I put you in jail. I think that's daytime robbery. So we believe that people uh, should be given an opportunity to opt out if they don't want to be in the country mm. anymore. So and this is, is opting out by system. system. Yeah. Yes. And how, how much is the fee to become a resident of Palau? Uh, $248 a year. Okay, that's that's very reasonable. reasonable. I pay, I pay two hundred and forty eight dollars for much stupider stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just another subscription, you know. Uh, <laughs> just throw it on the credit card. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Elaine, is there anything that we missed that you really want to talk about? Um. Yeah, it's just one point I want to talk about is that Palau is digital Palau and Palau. It's almost like a network state project but with a physical country as an anchor. So network state 
topology's definition is a community of people existing only in the internet when they can form together um, a, a country just based on common ideology and then starting to get international recognition of that. But in this Digital Palau project, yes, we have a group of people in the digital space uh, coming together with a common ideology, one freedoms and democracy and uh, in their financial um, crypto rights. But this project also has actual solvent Palau as an anchor. And we see that as a fantastic thing for, because then you immediately get the international recognition. But two, uh, as a country to Palau, then they get to be the cultural gatekeeper of uh, the a, a lot of innovation in this space. And I don't think there is any other better country to do this than Palau. Because uh, if you look at a lot of different jurisdictions all over the world, uh, none of the country is perfect. Everybody has their own incentives and financial incentives. It's very rare to find a country who really just wants to do the right thing instead of making a whole bunch of money. Obviously, making money is what everybody wants in the end, but it shouldn't compromise uh, your cultural backgrounds and the sensitivity to the earth. So that's that's the point I want to make here. Yeah, we don't want it ending up as like another Dubai, just sort of like a soulless yeah. skyscraper place. Yeah, I uh, I feel pretty confident based on this conversation that that's not something we have to worry about. So. Elaine, uh, that's a wonderful place to end the episode. And, and thank you so much for, for joining us and talking to us about your projects and about Palau. And I learned a ton about um, a, a ton during this conversation. And, and now, you know, I, I'm planning my Palau vacation in my head already. So uh, thank you. Y'all so are all welcome to visit us in Palau. We will take you to the ocean, swing with the sharks, and swing with the turtle, and spearfishing. And eat the sea cucumbers right yes. from the ocean. awesome well uh thanks again and we'll make sure to put all the information about uh, metropolis and the blockchain summit in the show notes so check there if you're interested and um until next time we'll we'll see you on the network age yeah see you thank you everyone thank you for listening for more network age content you can find us on twitter at network age pod We've also got a beautiful new presence online, which you can find at ookbar.network forward slash age. Also, find us on Apple or Spotify, leave us a good review, and we may even read it on air. Until next time, this has been the Network Age.